Morning, everyone. Welcome to the best place to be on a Sunday, the best place to be any day, the presence of God in church. Um, if you don't know who I am, I'm James. It's nice to meet you all. Um, been here for about a... Oh, hey. Um, been here for a bit now, um, and I have this incredible privilege to share with you this morning um, just a snippet of the life of the Savior of the world. Uh, it's incredible. When we look into who Jesus is, just, it just amazes me. Um, and I'm pretty excited because this part of his journey, the wilderness, is pretty deep. There's a lot in it. And uh, it's actually this like amazing story where all the good and hope and promise of God meets all the opposite of that. And it's like this amazing confrontation. It's like it would make an incredible movie. Like it's just, it's raw. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to be very honest. And when I've read this previously, I may have skimmed over this. And I'm hoping that all of us have kind of done that. We've skimmed over Jesus in the wilderness. It's really good. Like he's going for the wilderness. Like it's good. And then we get into the next bit where he does the Sermon on the Mount or he does his amazing teaching. And oh yeah, they get on that. We kind of gloss over this bit. I mean, he's, he's the son of God. He's God in human form. And he has this temptation in the wilderness. It's a kind of tricky thing to get our head around. Um, but it's kind of like an onion. Um, it makes you cry. Um, <laughs> I, I tear up a lot. I'm already tearing up from worship, so please bear with me. But um, as you like go layer and layer on this story, you realize more of, of who Jesus is. You realize more of who you are. You realize more of what life is like. You, it's, it's amazing as we peel back more and more. Um, so today, I just want to do that. I just want to read through it, and I want to peel back what this actually tells us about life and about Jesus and about us. Um, because this is a hugely important story. Um, in fact, if you want to put it in the context of Jesus' life, he just gets baptized. So he's had this amazing moment where he's publicly declared the Son of God, the presence, the heavens open. God says, this is my Son who I'm well pleased. The, the, present, the Spirit of God comes down and lands on him. It's an incredible moment. Then straight after that, he goes in the wilderness for 40 days. It's like this is, this is the start of his journey of the ministry of Jesus. This is the this is the turning point of he gets baptized and then this happens and he goes straight into the Sermon on the Mount. He goes straight into this incredible teaching. This is a this is like a moment and and Pastor Ryan did an incredible job talking about God's childhood, uh, Jesus' childhood and growing up and being wise and knowing the word and then he grows up to be this guy, thirty, gets baptized and like boom, it all starts now. The next three years of the kingdom of heaven drawing near. Um, so it's a pretty big kind of turning point in the story. Um, and I thought what we'll do first is we'll read through the whole thing and then we'll just take some time. Um, and I just want to say at the, at the start that um, the wilderness is not a super fun place. Has anyone thought that it was? Yeah. We're talking about Jesus, the Son of God, in the wilderness, being tempted, tested by the devil. This is going to be pretty heavy stuff and it's not going to be talking about all the fun, wonderful things that come with Jesus. It's going to be talking about some realness that comes with life and the realness of what it is to be a human being in a world 
that is not made the way that God would want. That's pretty, pretty real stuff. So let's just read through it. And um, hopefully as, as you read this, you'll be like, wow, that's awesome. Um, so the then bit is he was baptized and the Spirit of God came on him and God said, this is my son who I am well pleased, who I love. It's a pretty big moment for everyone to see that this is the son of God who is loved. That, that's important for later on. Just keep that in your mind. Um, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Next verse, please. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Most obvious statement I think there ever has been in the Bible. After not eating for 40 days, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, oh, just, I wish I had a really good like devil voice that I could do these voices in. But um, one, of, one of the things I want to talk about today is, is how the devil isn't just like, here I am. Um, he's like all deceit and manipulation and just, oh, this ickiness. It's like he's, mm, he's not like a person. He's like this creepy, everything he says is lies and deceit. And it, when you read this, you can kind of feel that deception, that manipulation in it. And it goes, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Next verse. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike a foot against a stone. And if you get to this point, you realize, well, that's a bit, don't know how I feel about the devil quoting scripture about how he's going to look after me. Um, Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put your Lord God to test. Straight back at him. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. I'm going to use the new stage for a second. Like, like the highest mountain. I, when I hear this, I imagine like Everest, even though that's not much you can see from Everest, but like a very high place where he could see all the kingdoms of the world. The devil's showing him everything in all of creation. And he says, all this I can give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and angels came to attend to him. It's a short kind of chapter, part of the chapter in um, Matthew 4, but so much is in that. Let's just paint the picture again. This is the son of the living God who's just been declared the son of God who's loved by the father. And he is toe-to-toe with the devil and the father of lies who wants nothing good. It's a pretty amazing confrontation. Who's excited? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, one of the things that makes this such a significant story is that um, all the other things in in the Gospels are handed over by the disciples. They've, they've been remembering what Jesus said. They're writing down what Jesus said. They've remembered it and they're trying to teach Jesus, uh, teach Jesus' teaching to people. And then you've got this story that's in Matthew and Luke, not in John, but Mark touches on it. So it's all very important. It's in three of the four. But there's no witnesses to this story. Think about this. So Matthew has put this in his gospel 
And this is one that Matthew never actually saw. So this is significant because Jesus has actually retold this story. It's like, and Jesus has said so many things, and his words are written in red, and it's, it's beautiful. But just imagine being Matthew for a second, and this is the story. You weren't there, but Jesus sat down with you and told you, this is what happened. So it's significant because this is a story straight from Jesus' lips of this is what happened when I was in the desert for 40 days. So I think this is probably a story we need to like delve a little deeper in if this is one that Jesus himself goes, this is so important to people that you need to put this in. Even though you have no idea how it went down, Matthew, you need to write about this. So we're going we're gonna to look at that with those kind of eyes, that this is in here for a reason. This is in here because Jesus wanted us to learn something from that. Um, the next thing is, um, surprise, um, it isn't that much of a fight. Jesus wins in the, in the end. I, like, if that shocks you, then there's a whole rest of the Bible that you should read. It really plays that out a lot more. Um, but it's like kind of like an exhibition match. You know, when you have like, I know, high school basketball team versus the Harlem Globetrotters, like, or the Jets versus like anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm... Th- <laughs> But maybe like the best soccer players of the world versus the Jets. Like it's, it's not in there to show, oh, look how close it got between the devil and Jesus. It's not, that's not why it's in there. And, um, and we know that because never is it close between the devil and Jesus. If he can save every single one of us, he's not going to be shocked by make the bread out of stones. Like that's not... That's, I've, so it's in there because we're going to learn something about how we deal with things. And not just how we deal with temptation or, 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 or the devil, it's how we deal with life. How do we deal with the realness of life? Jesus is 30 now. He's seen stuff. He's seen poverty on the streets. He's, he's had people who is lost. He's felt what it is to be human. And now he's having a real test with, G- with the devil about are you really who God says you are? Okay, so it's pretty intense. <sighs> okay. Um, I want to just talk... I'm going to fly through this first bit. Um, I want to just talk about that tempted word because it kind of like it trips us out a little bit because tempted kind of means like tempted means, oh, is Jesus going to do the wrong thing? No. He's Jesus. He's never tempted to do the wrong thing. It's more, it's more of a word that's like tested, but then you think tested, you think that has negative connotations too because you're like, I don't like tests. But think of it more like um, testing to find out what it really is, like testing the water or testing metal if it's strong enough, that kind of testing. Like this, is, this is revealing the truth of who Jesus is. That's what's happening here. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a tempting, it's not a, it could go either way. It's a, this is the moment where we find out who Jesus really is. This is where you find out that he passes this, this moment that so many humans haven't passed. I mean, look at Adam was tempted. We didn't pass that one. We, we feel the results of that every day. David, all of Israel, humanity time after time have gone through life and these things and have not found to be the humans that God always created. There's something in here that causes us to just stumble at the, at the post. But here's Jesus going through this moment. Um, so it's a pretty big thing. But think tested as in finding the, true, the truth 
of something, okay? Is that cool? We'll, we'll move on. Um, okay, so first verse. And the tempter comes to him and says, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Can we put that verse up? Thanks. Um, the tempter is the devil or the Satan, the accuser of the brethren, this, this thing, this, this guy who is nothing but evil. If God is the embodiment of all love, compassion, and mercy, the devil is this embodiment of all things that aren't that. He, when he speaks lies, he speaks his native language. This is what John says later on. This is the devil is all about manipulating and deceit. And he's really, really, really good at understanding human beings because he's been here longer than any of us in the room. He's been here for the whole time. He knows how we think. So when the tempter comes, it's not just like the cartoons, red pitchfork and scary man and Jesus. It is Jesus in the presence of deceit, manipulation, pain, hurt, poverty, like all these things that are not what God would want. And I kind of um, see it more like Tom Stockman. Can I use you for a second? Tom is Jesus in this illustration. <laughs> like, yes, I'm the good guy. Um, I think like when I've, when I've read this verse before, I've, I've thought it like this, like a, a friendly debate. It's kind of like, oh, make these stones bread. And Jesus is like, no. Um, but it's more like this. It's more like, hey, if you really are the son of God, you don't have to go through this hunger. You can, you can make them bread. You could, you could do that. Like, oh, how much creepier is that? I feel creepy just doing that to you, Tom. So you can sit down. <clears throat> But it's, it's, not, it's not this like formal debate setting. It is this, like every word is picked so carefully to like to question everything about who Jesus is. So if you are the son of God, you just got baptized and God said you were. But if you really are, if you are, why are you here? Why are you in this situation? Why, why are you hungry? If you're the son of God, you can make bread out of anything. You can instantly fix your problem if you are the son of God. Whew. It's like, is anyone like feeling the, the evil in that sentence now? So essentially, the devil is here questioning Jesus, who he is, and God if he's trustworthy right here. He's, he's actually looking at a need that Jesus has and he's going, look, if you are the son of God, then you can meet your needs. This need that you have right now, why is, if, you, if you are so loved by God, then why are you hungry here? There's so much going on to this. And, and I just want to flip that back on us because all these things that Jesus is going through, he put it in here because this is showing us what we will face as Christians and as humans. We will face these things. So look at the bread and you look at needs being met, like straight up. If you're hungry, you need food. Um, but it could be, it could be this, the starvation of, of having good relationships. It could, be, it could be thirsting for purpose. All these things that we need as humans that are just right, that we, we know we need. And you have that voice. It's like, well, if you're part of God's family, if you're saved by Jesus and what's what's all this then what's happening here and see the thing is like if if the devil popped in front of me and said oh things are bad oh God might not love you that would be really easy to deal with but when it comes into your own thoughts and your own identity it's like well if 
if you're found right in the sight of God through Jesus, why are you doing this? Why is this happening to you? That's like it, it messes with you who you are. Um, so, and like, that sucks. Can we all agree that's like a really horrible thing? Um, so the wilderness is a place that we all go through. And I, I want to share just a few little stories, not, not much, about things that I've gone through. Because by the, by the amazing grace of God, I can say that at that point, that wilderness, there'll be many more wildernesses to go through. But at that one, I'm at the end now. But I remember um, a few years ago, um, had a had a job at at a school. It was awesome, and I left that job to come and do some work at church, and it was it was good. And I went overseas, and we had a great holiday in the UK. It was awesome, and came back, and now I started this, this new this new job. And it was two days, and it was it was fantastic. So so many things were good, and it was like we were, took that faith jump. You know, when you take a jump of faith, you're like, yes, I did it, and you feel great because like I'm trusting God. Down the line a little bit, and that does not work out. No can't continue with that job anymore that's that for me was a massive wilderness moment because it's like what i what this isn't how it's meant to play out i have a very good plan in my head of how you're meant this is meant to work (laughs) this is not it um and for me it wasn't it wasn't the struggle was like actual starvation because like I, i was fine it was more for me it was that whole purpose thing it was that whole identity thing of like did you do the right thing? Did you hear from God and do that? Did you just give up something that was good because you thought that God would be on this? It's like, oh man. But let's look at, let, before I get to the good part of the story, let's look at Jesus' response. So if you've got your Bible, like I would highlight this whole thing and just read it again and again. Um, verse 4, but Jesus answered, this is his this is his rebuttal, his reply, his insight into what it is to be a human made in the image of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's not denying that he's hungry. He doesn't go, devil, I don't need bread. I'm Jesus. He goes, bread would be awesome, but more importantly, I trust God. And when when he says that, he's actually saying, my circumstance does not define who my God is. Well, what's what's happening right now does not define who God is. And I trust that I will not die of starvation in the wilderness because I know what God says about me. And even if I was, I would trust God anyway. That like, it shuts down the devil because he can't go anywhere from that. If he had said like, I don't need to because I, I'm feeling fine right now. The devil would just be try something else. But he shuts the devil down completely and goes, no, I don't need just bread to live. I need so much more that only God can give me. And for me, in that wilderness time when I'm like, I'm really just going like, am I even following what God wants? Like, what's, like, what? <laughs> I can see now looking back, I'm like, it's exactly what needs to happen. If I hadn't have made a faith step and moved away from that job, I would still be in that job and I would not be doing any of the things that I'm doing now. I needed to make that step and I actually needed it. I didn't know at the time, but I needed it to work out the way it did so that I could actually rely on God more. And I know it sounds like super cliche, like, oh, it'll all work out in the end. But when you're in the wilderness, it doesn't feel like that. But afterwards, you can see the hand of God on every single thing that happens. 
And that's what trusting God is about. Jesus doesn't know how it will, he does know, but at that moment, he's not talking about how it's all going to end at the end of this wilderness period. He just knows that if he just trusts God, that's the best plan. So the devil stops with that. Go on. So, takeaway point to write down, your circumstance does not define God. God is not defined by what's happening right now. He's defined by He is God and He loves you and you can trust Him. So then the devil tries something a bit different. And I know that like starvation is a pretty personal thing, uh, as in it affects you straight away. I like to think that this one is even more personal because he takes Jesus to the temple. He takes the Son of God to the house of God. He takes Jesus into his fa- into the, the presence of his Father, where God is at that time. In like he's that's this is symbolizes where God rests, and Jesus is there on the highest point. And he says this. He says, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Okay, now this is the really, oh, bit. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike a foot against a stone. The devil is quoting scripture to Jesus. He's challenging Jesus up here on the highest, on this high point. He's saying, all right, if you are who you say you are, if you are who God said you are, then you can jump down here and prove it right now. You can jump down right now and all these things that God said about you, that's what happened. He actually talks about how his identity is in, in God. He talks about who he is and whether God loves him. Does God love you enough that if you jump down here, you'd be fine? And it kind of like has this like, weird kind of twist in it because it's like if Jesus does it, he's kind of agreeing with the devil. If Jesus jumps off, and God, like, all be fine. If Jesus jumped off, he's actually doing what the devil wanted him to do. So he can't do that. But then he also has this, like, conundrum of, like, but I am the Son of God. And kind of this trippy kind of thing where it's like, well, I know God would save me, but it's not about that. And it's kind of tricky. <laughs> And it does get to that identity of who Jesus is. And our identity for us all is such a fragile thing where it's not placed in the person that God calls us to be. Um, just to get really vulnerable for a second, um, I, I struggle massively when it comes to um, insecurities and things. And for me, one of the biggest things that I struggled with was this whole journey of of. Um, and not working out and youth finishing and things like that was that my whole identity was wrapped up in 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 that youth pastor that's that's what I did and for me looking at that at the time I'm like that's totally good I'm a good person I'm doing what God wants I'm I'm, I'm doing this God thing like my identity is in Christ no my identity was in position and title and and that was important but that's not how it works. And if your identity is placed in anything other than who God says you are, it's, it's going to fade away like that. And then what are you left with? Who, who are you anyway? And it's hard. It's really hard dealing with those things. And I, I'm, I know there are people who have that, who struggle right now. But we need to know who we are 
in God. So let's look at Jesus' response. And that will like enlighten us to like, how do we actually deal with this? Even if we're doing like this super awesome God thing and like stuff's happening and it doesn't work out. What does that mean about who we are? Does that mean that God's not true? Does that mean that I wasn't good enough? What does that mean? Jesus says this. It's all good. I'm going to cry a lot more at the end. It's fine. <clears throat> um, Jesus says this. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. <sighs> How do you answer an unanswerable question? You don't even engage. Like, here's Jesus and he goes, I could jump off. I could also not jump off, but it's not up to you. I don't, just do, I don't do anything to test God. Shuts the devil down straight away. But he actually does something even more amazing. This is the whole onion thing. He's quoting something from Deuteronomy. And the whole verse says, I do not put your Lord God to test like you did in a place called Massa. I don't know if I pronounced that properly, but it doesn't matter. Um, and in this, in, this, in this story of Massa, the Israelites have come out of Egypt and things are not going well. They're quite hungry and thirsty and complainy. And they go to Moses what have you done? What have you done to us? If God has really got our best interest at heart, why are we here in the desert? And then Moses, well, in Deuteronomy, retells the story. But that verse he uses is saying, don't put logo, don't test whether God loves you or not. Don't test whether who you are is based on what's happening right now. Don't test whether God's love for you is determined by if you're amazing or if you're far from him. It's like the most truest statement because don't test the Lord God is not a angry don't test the Lord your God rule. He'll get cranky. It's don't test whether I love you. I do. That's it. Um, he has our best interest at heart. For me, it was painful, but I needed to not have that. And as painful as it might be, even like, re- like thinking about it, it's more painful that I was missing out on so much more of identity in Christ. And this is, this is it. The thing is that whether you're at the highest point of that temple, whether you're falling through the sky, whether you're splattered on the ground, God's love for you is completely unchanged. Don't test the Lord your God. Is straight back to that thing of God has your best interests at heart because He loves you no matter where you are. Like, how beautiful a response is that? I could jump off this and God would save me. But you know what? If he didn't, he still loves me. If I don't do it, he still loves me. In fact, just being here, he loves me. That's who he is. Don't test the Lord your God. Don't test whether he loves you. Just know. Just know that he loves you, no matter what. Your circumstance does not define your identity or God's love for you. It doesn't enter into the equation at all. And now the last argument. Like it, it's pretty deep, these two. So I, I recommend going back and like rereading this and seeing like how it how amazing this is. But the last argument, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. That's probably the closest to being tempted. Like imagine seeing everything. 
And like, this is a spiritual kind of encounter. So he could have shown him anything. Like, it's not just like, here is Jerusalem. It looks pretty. It's like, here is creation. Here is all of creation. And he says, he doesn't go with the whole, if you are son of God. We've, we've established the fact he's confident in his identity. He goes, all of these I can give you. I can give you everything if you bow down and worship me. Here's the, the, the crazy thing, is that Jesus is already going to get everything, isn't he? Hey, who, whose name is above all names? Jesus. Who is the king of all kings? Jesus. Who is the Lord of all lords? Jesus. This is who he is. And here the devil is offering him a shortcut. I, I too can make you king of all things. I too can give you everything that you're going to get. But this way, you don't have to go through the pain of death. You don't have to have that incredible cup that is passed to you. You don't have to have that moment in Gethsemane where you are bleeding from your skin. I can give it to you all right now. Now listen to his response because it is the most emotional response out of the three. It's not a, well, it is also, it is like it is from his belly. And he says, <laughs> well, that was a big build up. Um, and he says, he says, be gone, Satan. Be gone, accuser. Be gone, evil. Be gone from me right now. Leave right now. Why did he respond that? Because this is more than just a little attack on his identity. This is more than an attack on, on who he is and more than a test. This is right now the devil's playing with something completely different. He's like, let's shortcut what is meant to be and let's have it this way instead. He's saying to, he's saying to Jesus, how about you rule differently? How about instead of this upside down kingdom where you have to be humble to be the best and how you have to love and you love your enemies? How about all of that? We do it this way. Is completely against everything that Jesus is there to do. Why is he so emotional? Because the devil's given him this option of why don't we do it my way? Where we, we, we rule with power and, and deceit and all these things. And Jesus is like, be gone, Satan. And then says, worship the, um, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. It's gone completely. But how often do we have that attack in our life of like, whoa, you know, you could probably get this thing you want if you just compromise a little bit. Or like, oh, you really want this and this like feels good. Well, you know, you could probably have that if you just don't listen to that Bible verse or if you just don't listen to this. This is, this is, this is the devil doing his very best and he's showing like, if you just compromise this tiny bit here, you can have everything you always wanted but we lose everything else. And it's like this final argument, he doesn't do the, if you are the son of God, he goes straight to it and goes, let's do things differently. And Jesus stops. And then straight away after that, angels come to attend to him. It's over. It's over and it's beautiful because Jesus, God in human form, has shown who he truly is. He passed the test. And Passing the test was trusting God no matter what. Trusting that God had a plan. Trusting that God has a purpose. Trusting that who you are is in God. Now, how do we respond to this story? The story is, 
is deep and heavy and full of pain and vulnerability? How do we deal with this? How do we respond to it? Jesus himself put this in the Bible. It requires a response. The first thing we, we, we learn is that Jesus passed the quality assurance test. The next thing is that we have an account of what we do when we face trial. We trust God regardless. But then the last thing this shows us, this whole story, is that God knows, Jesus knows what it is to have those things happen. He was right there with the accuser and he heard the tasty words that came into him. He felt the draw as a human. He felt the pain of humanity seeing he's hungry and he shouldn't be. He saw all these things. This, the most beautiful thing about this story is that it shows us that we have a Lord who is our Savior who feels what we had felt. He knows what it is to be human. It is hard to be made in the image of God and live in a world that's so far from it. But Jesus knows that tension. He knows what it is to be given things and to have to go, I'm trusting God. He knows what it is to be in pain and go, I'm trusting God. He knows what it is to be faced with the reality of what's happening, but focus on the reality of what God says will happen. No matter how far they are, he knows this. I can't think of any religion or any world system that has a God that loves you so much that he would come down into our situation and feel it, walk through it, just so we could know that he knows what we feel. That is a beautiful, beautiful part of the story of Jesus. This whole thing tells us so much and it, it, it's such a how-to of how to trust God and things are so good intellectually, but on a level that is personal, this is a story about Jesus knowing what it is to be human, feeling it and empathizing with us as we come to him. You, you come to Jesus bare, naked and afraid with all of your sins laid bare before him. And his response is not like, I'm better, I passed. His response is, oh, it's hard. I know, I know what you've been through. I know the pain that you felt and I love you anyway. How beautiful is that? That is a picture of our Jesus. We could all just stand and the band, if you could come up. We have just heard, in my opinion, the most epic battle. And we know how it ends ultimately, that Jesus died on the cross, that we all might have eternal life and life in him right now. I just want us to close our eyes. No matter where you are in life, this story speaks to us. The wilderness is real. The wilderness happens. Sometimes things are hard. And I can tell you from personal experience, sometimes even when you think that God is all over something, it can still be really hard. But we aren't called to love God when things are good. We aren't called to love God when things are bad. We're called to love God just as He loves us regardless of where we're at.
right now I want to speak to two different groups of people and I, I know there are people here who are struggling with specifically identity and who are you what does God say about you you hear songs like oh I am who you say I am well who do you say I am these two people are if you're here today and you have never known the unconditional love of Jesus if you've never known what it is to be loved despite anything and you want to experience that today so everyone's eyes are closed I just want you to raise your hand accept that love into our life right now. And the next group of people, which is me included, I want to have some time for the ministry team to come pray for us as we meet with our God who knows how it is. And as we come to God without a mask on, as we come to God without an idea of what He wants us to be like. And we come to God bare and in His love. And today, if you want to come to God and you want to ask for Him to help you in your wilderness times, if you want to say to Him, Lord, I'm struggling right now, but I'm going to trust you no matter what. If you need to have a moment where you come before God and go, God, it's really hard to trust you, but I'm going to trust you anyway. Saviour who knows and who empathises and who has been there is here to meet with you today. Let me pray and then I'm going to get the band to play and ask people to come out the front and have a moment with God. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your consistency and your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what circumstance we're in, no matter what choices we've made, thank you that you love us and that you have our best interests at heart. Lord, I pray for every single person who's here, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will meet them where they're at, Lord. That you will comfort them and that you will show them that they are dearly loved. I pray this in Jesus' name. If you do want to come and get some prayer, if you do want to me with God and just ask Him how are you meant to do this or tell Him that you trust Him even though it's hard come out the front now and the ministry team